In the last episode, I dropped a major truth bomb. The housing market is finally slowing down. There are a couple things out there that scare me just a little bit because we got a potential recession that is so overdue. We've got 10 years of stock and housing markets rising nonstop. So we might see a correction sooner rather than later. Now, what does that mean for you and your home purchase plans? Let's get to it. What's happening? What in the wide world of sports is up with you, my how to buy a homies? Now, hey, do you viewers or you listeners even know what wide world of sports is? I mean, this is before the internet. Here's what we had to do. We had to get our sports and entertainment on the TV box. Yeah, had this antenna sticking up out of it. We got pictures from outer space. It's very exciting. Now, we had to watch shows at specific times with no streaming and with commercials that you were forced to sit there and watch. No fast forward, no skippy skippy. When I was eight years old in 1978, yes, I am that old, drink. Every weekend, ABC would air a show called Wide World of Sports. Now, in the beginning, they had the voiceover, this dude, Jim McKay, he was like the sports guy back then. And he would talk about the thrill of victory. And then they showed some race car driver, you know, spraying champagne at the victory lane. And then they would say, and the agony of defeat. And then they showed a video that can only be described as the original epic fail. And you know what? When I was writing this up, you can Google it, the original agony of defeat. Google the original agony of defeat and you can see for yourself. What's weird is you're not going to think it's that big deal because you watch all these dumb videos all the time and you've seen epic fails for your whole life. For us, every weekend we sat to watch this guy, Vinko Bogataj. He was from Yugoslavia. Yeah, that's not even a country anymore. And he was coming down on the ski jump. And he eats it so hard in such an extraordinary way that all of us way back when, because remember, I'm old, drink again. In 1978, little eight-year-old me was so excited to sit and watch this guy eat it every Saturday and Sunday. So today, and hang with me, there's a theme here. Today, I want to follow up on the theme of the agony of defeat. You know, crashing. See what I did there? Everyone thinks it's going to housing crash. Or did you think he was going to burst like a bubble? No, crashing. The big question of the housing crash and what the numbers show. Today, I'm going to get into the five reasons, barring any psychoeconomic global pandemic again. We'll call it Pandemic 2, the sequel, back, badder than ever. But this is not going to be a crash. But we are going to be looking at a correction. So I'm going to hit you with the top five reasons that we're going to be having a correction again, since you guys keep asking about it. So then we're also going to get into the other side of the coin. That's where we're going to talk about this slowdown, those cracks that I mentioned in the last episode, what that could mean in how many years we're going to be having this appreciation. That's huge for you as a first time home buyer, because you know, you got your spreadsheet and you're trying to figure out your gains with your appreciating asset, even if it's a slower gain than what we've had in the recent inflated rising numbers. This has been crazy. And don't forget, this is still your single largest monthly bill. It's your shelter payment. And don't forget, now you're not going to get the double digit appreciation increase, but even if it slows down and you get into single digit increase, if you're at three, four, five percent, that's still the average we've had for years and years and years. And this is still your largest monthly bill, your shelter payment. And it finally gets to be fixed. Yeah. 
unlike your annual rental increases, which ain't stopping anytime soon, that's a double whammy win for you. No agony defeat for you. And you're going to be getting more of your spreadsheet moving into the black every day. Last episode, I did mention those cracks I see in the housing market. Those are the cracks in the housing market rocket ship because it's been taken off. And I giggled a few times when I said crack because I'm a super real estate adult trapped in a 13-year-old sense of humor. And I said that this rocket ship is not sustainable and it will correct. And it's going to get to a more normal trajectory. You know, if you're thinking of the horizon. Okay, it's not just going to shoot straight up. And that could be possibly soon and possibly it may have already started. But now that is not the agony of defeat. I want to be sure you're not picturing the housing market crashing and tumbling down like good old Vinko eating it on the ski jump ramp and crashing into the spectators. Every weekend we saw this dude eat it. Man, I was never able to get that image out of my head. <laughs> Probably why I never went skiing. Or the one time I did, I passed out. But I'm sure it's not that big a deal to you because nowadays you can see worse online and usually with a whole bunch of other clips of horrific stuff all slammed together. But back then, that was the only thing on TV. So let me once again pump your brains, your ear holes and your eye holes if you're watching this on YouTube. What's up, gang? I'm going to give you some data from the Economic Nerds. It's another edition of David Sedoni Adults for You so you don't have to. In last month's episode, I spit all kinds of facts about some recent warning signs. The fact that there is still a 10-year run-up in the housing and the stock market, a potential recession due anytime with inflation and the yield curve inversion. You remember me talking about the yield curve inversion? No, you wiped it from your memory. I understand. Well, the idea that using the historical context while analyzing this current data could give you the one piece of information you're looking for. Dude. So what is going to happen to the housing market? Should I buy a freaking house or what? I know, that's what you're all wondering. Easy, chillax a little bit, okay? Do you want one-word answers like the noobs posting on social media, all those realtors who just got their license four days ago, and they're out reaching out to you and talking to all the first-time buyers because they're really trying to get a client? Or do you want legit data? Data time, kids. It's time to get heavy and thick in the weeds. Okay, good. Now that we're all in our learning circles sitting crisscross applesauce, a little context. In 2004, housing was on a run like it had never been on before. Prices had been going up for six years, one of the longest runs in history, and the economy was booming. So some people started to give warnings about an impending crash, and they were right. <laughs> Four years later, and they kept saying it every year. It's coming anytime. It's coming anytime. Great. A clock's right twice a day. That's not how it goes. A broken clock's right twice a day. Sorry, gang. Leave it in. I look like an idiot. Makes me real. Yeah, they were right. The market doubled the next four years, and it crashed like a rock. So in the last episode, I proclaimed that I'm seeing warning signs. Well, actually, I'm seeing the warning signs for the beginning of the warning signs. So we might have a few years left. I don't know. So naturally, there are a lot of people there who listened to that last episode, and all they heard was the gloom and doom. But let me remind you, this recent run-up is not like 2007. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then that's fine. You don't need to listen. But for those of you who keep saying, it's going to crash like the last time, first of all, do you realize that 2007 was the last time? Let's make sure we're all on the same page. Double-digit depreciation, that means 10, 11, 12, 13, or 19 like last year. Double-digit depreciation, this just, it's not sustainable. But I've laid out why this is not a bubble this time that's going to pop. 
I laid it out in episode 29, and that was all the way back in 2019. And again, more Bubble Talk, episode 40, 48, 57, and most recently in February 2022 in episode 74. I recorded that one in February because the beginning of this year was bonkers, and I had tons of buyers all over the country tell me that it's way too crazy to try and buy, so they were going to wait for it to crash. Here's the interesting thing. Since that episode, when I tried to tell you guys, I don't think this is going to crash, it's only been a couple of months ago. Just since that episode, if you'd listened and gone, okay, he's right. The median home prices have gone up 2 to 4%. That's like a whole year's worth. And it just depends on where you live. And on a $400,000 house, that means if you bought it back in February because you listened to the episode, you'd be making anywhere from eight dollars to $16,000 on your $400,000 home by doing what? What you just did anyway, paying a monthly housing bill at the beginning of the month. And if you listen to the potential recession episode, that was number 29, way back, way back in 2019. And you heard how a bubble crash was unlikely, and a home is a great hedge against inflation since I was talking about the recession, and it can be a good long-term investment, even with the potential recession coming in. And if you'd bought the median price home back then, $267,000. Well, today, the median price is $408,000. So if you bought back in 2019, $408,000 a day, $267,000 when you bought it, that means you would have $141,000 worth of equity. That's what I was telling you guys back in 2019. That, my friends, is why I say good unicorn realtors, good unicorn lenders, we don't need to flex. We just let our clients who listen to our stuff all the way back in 2019 they do the flexing for us. All right, let's hit the top five reasons, barring that global meltdown, if we have another freaking pandemic, that this will not be an agony of defeat crash, right? These are the top five reasons for a non-agony of defeat crash, but a correction, a slowdown with an eventual droppage. It's not like 2007, here's why. Houses are not unaffordable like they were in 2007. Be honest, who just cursed right now on the treadmill in the gym when I said, Houses are not unaffordable. Come on. Don't be mad. I know the guy like next to you is looking at you like you're weird. Look, I get it. Don't hate on the messenger. <laughs> when I say houses are not unaffordable, that's actually a statistic, not a statement. You see, housing affordability, that's a calculated statistic in the housing world. It's got data and metrics and formulas. And yes, housing may seem totally unaffordable to you right now, but the stat actually shows that it was much worse, much more unaffordable before the crash. Now, this affordability metric, it's made up of three components, the price of the home, the wages earned by you, and the mortgage rates available. So today, prices are high, but wages have increased. And back then, when houses were really unaffordable, the mortgage rates were over 6%. So we got a chart that shows that in 2007, affordability was at 34.1% of your monthly income. And the end of 2021, that number was just 25.8%. Now, that's going to gone up a little bit here in 2022 because we had prices and mortgage rates go up, but that's still going to be below the 34.1% of your monthly income, which means it's technically more affordable than it was back then, even if you're all angry and don't think it's affordable at all. Number two, it was hella easier to buy a home back in 2007. I'm talking way easier. 
loans and lending guidelines were a joke. People with poor credit, and I'm not saying you're a bad person, that's what they call it, poor credit, 550 to 619, they could get what was known as subprime loans. Pretty darn easy back then. Not today. Not even close. Now, side note, if this worries you, I got you. All right, if you're in that poor category, don't worry about it. You can still buy. But I, I highly recommend that instead of going out and trying to buy with, you're not going to be using a subprime loan, but you are going to be using, well, you might be, they're barely coming back. But I highly recommend that you listen to episode 90, 64, 8, and 3, where you can bump up that credit score and you can do it fast. And then you can buy with better rates and better terms. Now, this is the chart showing all the sub 620 loans given out in the years leading up to 2007. Now, look beyond that. Okay. And for those of you listening, visualize it with me. It was a whole bunch and now it's almost nothing. You see a huge drop and it stays way low through today. Subprime loans, they're just not happening. More qualified borrowers, sorry, I was trying to say buyers, but that's what the loans call you. You're a borrower to them. You're a buyer to me. So more qualified borrowers and buyers mean less default on homes. And less default on homes takes us to number three. That is, there is no looming foreclosure crisis. Let me get this out of the way first. I'm talking about foreclosures. If you're one of those people that still thinks that the pandemic forbearance program means that foreclosures are coming, at this point, I seriously can't help you. Unless this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast. But you know what? If you've listened to any other podcast, you've heard me talk about the forbearance and how it's not going to do anything because the numbers and the data are there. This is an opinion. This is me giving data. And if you still think that, then seriously, I can't deal with your negative vibes, bro. Just take me off the headset. Move on. Do your research. Okay? Episode 79. Listen to it. Not at two times speed. Actually, listen to it this time. It's currently less than 2% of the entire country that's left in forbearance. As a matter of fact, right before this podcast, I was sitting here, I got a text message from one of my clients who went, hey, remember how I was supposed to go on foreclosure? They did a loan modification for me. <laughs> that's just a real life example. If every single one of the 2% of the people that were left in forbearance went into foreclosure tomorrow, that would barely put a dent in our stupid low inventory. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but I am saying it wouldn't make much of a dent and my buyers would be happy. You know what I'm saying? There, that's done. Now, let's just talk about regular old foreclosure numbers. Because of the subprime lending that went on for the years leading up to October 2008 when the stock market fell and pre-economic meltdown, before all that, there were already a ton of people in foreclosures. There's another chart that shows 2.96 million people we're in foreclosures. It started in 2007 into 2008, right when we got up to the crash. So that means the two years before the crash, we had 2.96 million people in foreclosure. The last two years we've had right now, 167,000. Enough said. Number four could be actually called number 3B because it kind of has to do with foreclosures and housing stability. Today, there are no more house ATMs. And no, it is not ATM machines. The M equals machine in ATM. And it's also not daylight savings time. It's singular. It's daylight saving time. And this one, hear me on this one. It's supposedly, supposedly, not supposably. 
See, your partner is supposed to remember your anniversary. Your partner is not supposed to remember. Supposedly. Please, for the love of God. I will be so happy. I will literally be happy. Once again, use correctly. If you say supposedly and not supposedly. Okay, so back to people using their houses as ATM machines. I mean, houses as ATMs. Look what you made me do. In 2007 and 2008, homeowners immediately withdrew their equity as soon as their house got it. When the home values fell, bam, negative equity, or what we call being upside down. Now, this led to distressed properties, aka foreclosures and short sales, and that tanked the prices big time. This is not going to happen today. In 2021, over 40% of the country had over 50% equity in their home, and that number has only grown as prices have gone up in 2022 in these first few months. Right now, we have 10 trillion in tappable home equity. Okay, if you're snickering out there, tappable equity, first of all, I like you, let's hang out. But it's also a real estate term, so don't blame me. The average home right now has over 300,000 in equity. And the number five reason this is not gonna be a crash, take one guess, say it with me everybody, low inventory. Yeah, it sucks for you when you're trying to buy, but it also should be of some comfort to you to realize that when you win a bidding war, you've got some time with equity still going. You've got some time before the market corrects because you realize there are not enough homes for sale to sustain even just the normal moves because people move, people get job transfers, people have a bigger family or a smaller family. Moves, like life, they're always going to happen. Real estate uses this statistic called month's supply. It's a stat that determines how many months it would take to sell all the homes on the market if suddenly there were no more homes listed for sale. And it's based on the current demand that's happening at that moment. There's a graph that shows 9.6 months of inventory in 2007. And then in 2008, that inventory was 9.4 months. So that's right when everything was crashing. Well, in 2020, we had 1.9 months of inventory, and in 2021, we only had 1.8 months of inventory. So if you're worried you're making the same mistakes this time and that we're destined for another crash like 2007 and 2008, then this must be the first time that you've ever heard my podcast. Also, there are the stats and the graphs for those of you watching this on YouTube. They're all in your eye holes or in your ear holes, and it should help calm your panicky anxiety. Now, I don't want you guys to think that I don't think that you're listening, but I get so many people to talk to me about the bubble all the time and the crash and say, well, I'm just going to wait because they think some kind of crash is coming. So I had to give it to you one more time. We've covered the bubble myth yet again. So now let's dive into the counterpoint to my last episode, warning that we were seeing cracks in the rising home price rocket ship. The cracks could just stay cracks and only slow it down a little bit. As I mentioned we just went from a 10 plus to a 9.95. And who knows, maybe we'll stay there for a few years, which means we're still going to be going up, but just a little bit slower. Well, here's what some of the experts are saying. Odetta Kushi, the deputy chief economist at First American, tweeted just last week on this very issue. He said, quote, do you say quote when you tweet? Probably still should, quote. We do need price appreciation to slow down today. It's not sustainable over the long run, but high price growth today is supported by fundamentals, short supply, lower rates, and demographic demand. And we are in a much different and safer space, better credit, 
quality, low DTI, that's debt to income ratio, and tons of equity. Hence, a crash in prices is very unlikely. Unquote. Price appreciation was slow from the double digit levels that the market has seen over the last couple of years. However, experts believe that home values will not depreciate. Slow, but not depreciate. So time for me to give you the latest survey from the pros. This one's from Pulsonomics. They're trying to be cool with that name. I love that. Bunch of economy nerds. We're Pulsonomics. We're rad. See, they say it and it sounds dumb. I say it. It's awesome. So this is a survey of a national panel of over 100 economists, real estate experts, and investment marketing strategists. This is the latest from the Home Price Expectation Survey. It forecasts home prices will continue appreciating over the next five years. Based on the average of all 100 plus projections, here are the expected year-over-year home price appreciation rates. 2022, 9%. Now, some places are already at 4 5 or even six, so who knows? But as they continue, 2022, 9%. 23, 4.74%. 2024, 3.67%. 25, 3.41%. And all the way to 2026, they're still predicting it to stay up at 3.57%. Now, if you're crazy or writing this down, or you actually just have, I don't know, photographic listening memory, is that a thing? You'll notice that they went 3.67 in 24, 3.41 in 25, and then back up to 3.57 in 2026. First of all, how the heck they're doing forecasts with all the way to the uh, 100th, that, that I don't understand. But the fact that they're talking about it going up, it's interesting. So that prediction says two things to me. Buying's still going to suck for a little while, but it's going to suck less than when annual appreciation was at 19.5% like it was in 2021. Again, it's going to be hard, but... As I've said multiple times, nothing good in life is easy. So go back and listen to the episodes in the 60s and the 70s on the podcast and get your believe on. And then the second thing it tells me, according to them, some of you out there still have time to get some equity. And that can be a cushion for your long-term plans for when, not if, when this housing correction comes along. It's simple. If you wait to buy a home, you're probably going to pay more in the future unless you're going to wait too long, and then you're going to pay too much rent. However, if you buy now, you'll actually be in the position to make future price increases work for you. Or you can use the equity that happens if you decide to stay there to ride out a flat or downward trending market. That's why I talked about the compromise and thinking longer term when you're thinking about buying in 2022 and 2023. Get in, ride some equity. And then be cool and stay there to ride it out for the coming correction. You're going to save tons of money by locking in a fixed monthly payment versus the gamble of rising rents during the same time period. I don't know if this forecast is going to come to fruition, but if it does, the numbers are pretty sweet. And the only thing forecasts are, are educated best case scenario guesses. But it's based on the historical data and historical patterns. Don't believe all the negative hype. I'm going to tell you if it starts to slow. In fact, I did just when last episode. But for now, it's still got a lot of room to grow. And I did tell you it was slowing, but it slowed from a 10 to a 9.95. So when you start to see people out there freaking out, remember what I always like to say. Don't believe the yellers. Do you hear me, Stephen A. Smith? Louder is not smarter. 
If you're hearing correctly in your ear holes, you should find some positive things, no matter what stage that you're in with these potential forecasts. If you're brand new and you need six months or a year or two years to plan before you can actually buy a home, first of all, let me tell you this, almost every single one of my first time buyers, every single one that I've had in the hundreds all over the country, when they tell me they need two years, once they get a plan implemented and they get into a real guided unicorn plan, they see that expected time seriously cut in half, at least. Even realtors talk about it. Someone comes in and says, I got six months. Well, the good ones go, yeah, great. We'll be good in three months for them. It's just the way it goes. And as I've said before, you can drive from LA to Nashville on your own without a GPS or Google Maps. And if you just go east, you're going to get there. But if you get a unicorn and you plug in the map, you can shave days off your trip. So for you, planning and staying educated is huge. So do me a favor. Don't just save and save and save and then pull your head up to see how the market's doing. Get a guide, learn along the way, be prepared. In a year, you might wanna move quickly. You might wanna jump on the remaining equity in the run-up. You might wanna ask your friends or relatives for money for a loan at that time so you can jump in before you miss it. You might wanna change your budget. You might wanna change your saving numbers, reduce some debt. You might wanna cash in the bonds that your grandma gave you when you were eight years old. Or you might decide you know, that you're gonna tap into your 401k. As a matter of fact, last night I was doing a TikTok live. Yes, I was doing a TikTok live. It was a free Q&A with me. Check your feed. Look me up at how to buy a home on TikTok. I'm doing them a lot. Anyway, I was talking to this guy and, you know, no matter what was going on with the forecast, he was asking questions and then he went, okay, I'm ready to go. And he started asking me about the 401k. And I was like, yeah, I think that might work out for you, buddy. Now for this guy on TikTok, this was just happening for him right now, but if he talked to someone six months ago or a year ago, he wouldn't be rushing to try to figure out if using his 401k was the right thing for him because he would have been working a plan with a unicorn. No matter which way the forecasts go, one way or the other, if you're planning and you have a saving route planned with professional guidance from unicorn realtor and a lender, that's going to give you the O word, options. Planning gets you options. And the options means that you have less of the C word, compromise. That's awesome. That should be my t-shirt. Somebody make that. Planning equals options equals less of the C word. That would be such a confusing t-shirt. So if you're going to be closer than six months, well, then maybe this will kick you into high gear. And if you're ready to rock, maybe you cancel your, your Memorial Day weekend plans and you go out, you find a unicorn, you get yourself pre-qualified, and then you go look at some homes on Memorial Day weekend. So by Labor Day weekend, you can host the big barbecue in your awesome brand new backyard and probably sitting there with maybe 2 or 3% equity in your pocket. That's what I think is going to happen in the summer. So no matter where you are in your planning phase, check out these numbers. And if the cracks stay the cracks, and the forecast from over 100 nerds is correct, well, you're going to be in a position to take advantage of it. If you purchased a home in January this year, it would have cost you, on the median price, $360,000. And if you factor in the forecast of appreciation from the home price expectation survey that we were just talking about, you could accumulate $96,000 in household wealth over the next five years. Time for one last truth bomb. The last episode you heard on the podcast, I recorded it yesterday at work, and truly, I didn't have time in my day 
to do that yesterday. <laughs> but because I knew that spring and summer of 2022 are the most crucial and radically unstable times in the history of first-time home buying, this first beginning of this year has been nuts. My 16 years of working in this market and studying the market research and the super dork studying, it's shown me that this time right now, it's crystal clear, this is insanity. I was talking to one of my unicorns today about how, man, if we're making it work for people right now at this time in 2022, then something's working here. I was wiped out after yesterday trying to squeeze in the podcast. I ended up crashing on the couch at seven o'clock at night. And then I woke up at 2 a.m. this morning to dig into the research for this podcast. And I kept writing till 7 a.m. And if I recorded everything that I researched from 2 to 7 in the morning, this podcast would have been five hours long. Would have been super fun, right? No, I don't think so. But I didn't do that. I took all the data, the articles, the facts, the figures, the metrics, and I boiled them down for you. Then I present them to you on the podcast to help you make the best decision possible for you or your family, you and your family, or don't want to be non-inclusive, or you and your plants, or your animals, whatever it is. Remember, when you see other people giving you online, giving real estate advice, think about that. How long do you think it took them to craft their loud yelling rant, or their snarky negative philosophy? And then do your research. How much help are they offering you besides just that one time they came on your feed and started yelling at you? How much time are they dedicating to you, the first-time homebuyer, who's desperately seeking some clarity? Fear and snark sucks, but they sell. They get your attention. But always make sure, is this helping you move forward? So let's help you move forward. And if this has helped you in any way, please take 94 seconds, write a review, and put it up there. It can help others find the podcast so I don't have to put in those 18-hour days and fall asleep on my couch again. Write it on a review on Apple or Spotify, or this is the big one I want you guys to try. Comment on TikTok for me. Go to at how to buy a home, look up a video, and just in the comments, just say, I'm a homie. It'll confuse everybody. I'll love it. Share this podcast in a text with your friends who, want, who you want to see succeed. I mean, hell, if it does works for them, you guys can buy a house on the same cul-de-sac, and then you'll be having the best raging block parties in the neighborhood. Check out the How to Buy at Home podcast YouTube page and find me at David Sedoni on Instagram. And whatever you do, for God's sakes, keep on listening if you want no BS, unfiltered, truth bombs, accurate information made just for you, for first-time homebuyers. Subscribe, keep up, and let's start a revolution. Let's tell the real estate industry, you're not going to take it anymore. That's a great song from the 80s, too. We're not going to take it. D. Snyder's weird, but that was a good song. Anyway, you demand better. You're not going to take it. You want better education. You want more help. And you want some freaking service from the people out there who are supposed to help you. You want to be empowered. You don't just want to be a paycheck for the person that you're working for. And that's cool. I believe it. Let's start the revolution. It's your right. And now the great thing is you know the right way to move forward and get your plan going. No matter what the future brings. Do it with a unicorn. Use that and all the knowledge that I spit into this mic. And guess what? You can do this.